This is Father Reed Henserling at All Saints Episcopal Church, sharing with you the Word of God, the Word of God, the 14th Sunday after Pentecost, the 14th Sunday after Pentecost, and we'll be looking from Sunday to Saturday's readings. We'll be concentrating on three books of the Bible that we've been concentrating on the last several weeks. The book of Job, which is just a phenomenal book, a timeless book, a beautiful book. The book of Acts, which is the story of the church, the early church, after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. His ascension is in chapter 1. Then he, as he ascends into heaven, he sends them the Holy Spirit in chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. And we will be focused on Acts 13 through Acts 15. And the book of Job will be in several chapters toward the end of the book. And then finally, of course, we always include a gospel, and we will be looking at the gospel of John. John chapter 10, John chapter 11, two books, John chapter 10 and John chapter 11. John chapter 10, the famous chapter about Jesus being the good shepherd, and chapter 11, of course, the resurrection of his friend Lazarus, the resurrection of Lazarus. All right, let's begin in the book of Job, the 25th chapter. Again, I remind you, read your scriptures daily, read them slowly, pray about uh, what you are reading, ask God to bless you. As I was doing and reading the lectionary reading for today, I noticed um, some very important verses, and sometimes I will take a note card and write down the verse if it really impresses me. And I'll use that note card and fill that note card up with Bible verses and use them in my books that I read. And then right before I read the section that I want to read in the book, I'll read those scriptures. So it's a way to memorize and learn the scriptures. In my view, you want to be looking for ways to learn the Bible. You want to be looking for ways to learn the scriptures. And that might be a device that might be helpful for you. In Job chapter 25, remember, we've got his three friends that are talking with him. So we have Job speaks, Eliphaz speaks, Job speaks, Bildad speaks, Job speaks, and who is our last person? We have Elihu uh, is a person that speaks. Uh, And so his friends are offering him advice, Eliphaz. Uh, and Elihu comes at the end. Uh, his friends offer him advice. They listen to his plight, and we learn from them also. In chapter 25, 1 through 6, dominion, this is Bildad speaking, dominion and all belong to God. So the three friends are saying, are discussing the attributes of God and saying something about who God is. And then Job replies to what each of his friends have said. So we have 25, 1 through 6, and then we have 27, 1 through 6. He says, as surely as God lives, verse 2, Job is talking, he is den- who has den- denied me justice, the Almighty, who has made me taste bitterness of soul, as long as I have life within me, the breath of God in my nostrils. Who has made me taste bitterness of soul. Now, what's interesting about the book of Job, all these terrible things happen to Job, 
And Job accepts it for a while. But then after a while, he curses the Lord. And he's very honest in his relationship with God. As long as I have life within me, the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not speak wickedness and my tongue will utter no deceit. I will never admit that you are in the right till I die. I will not deny my integrity. I will maintain my righteousness and never let go of it. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. So I love the honesty of Job. I love the fact that he's telling God exactly what he thinks. In chapter 29 on Tuesday, he's, again, poetically sharing what's going on, how he's feeling, what he thinks of the Lord, what he thinks about what God has done for him by sending him all these disasters. And again, you want to be meditative, you want to be prayerful. One of the reasons I suggest Job for folks that are suffering, folks that think they've gotten a bad hand in life, folks that are, are, have the situation, condition, circumstances around them where things are going poorly, they wonder if God is on their side, if God cares, if God is listening, if God is compassionate, if God is merciful, if God is kind. And so that situation is very common to humanity. It's common to all of us. And so Job is this brilliant expose on dealing with suffering and dealing with God in such a way that you don't know what's going on and you can't figure it out and you don't know where God is in dealing with all these things. Job chapter 31 Job chapter 31, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. Beautiful verse, 31.1. Verse 14, what will I do when God confronts me? What will I answer when called to account? We're all going to be called to account. What are we going to say? Did not he who made me in the womb make them? There's your classic scripture on creation. Did not he... Who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one form us both within our mothers? So, this is why I have a high view of life and a high value for a child in the womb. God is the creator, and the Bible refers to God as the creator. And God who made me in the womb crafts us, molds us, gives us life, gives us breath. Beautiful scripture there. So we have this extolling of God as great as he is. And finally, we have Job 38. Now, Job 38 is one of the more famous chapters in the entire Bible. The Lord is going to speak. Finally, this is on Saturday. The Lord is going to speak. And it's one of the most famous passages. It's beautiful to quote. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. Now, you know, Job's been talking for a long time. His four friends have spoken to him. Who is it that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. And this famous question, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched... It's measuring line against it. 
And as we go through verse 17, have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? Job, you seem to be a pretty smart guy. At least you think you're a smart guy. Tell me how all this happened. Have you ever given orders in the morning, verse 12, or shown the dawn its place, that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wickedness out of it, the wicked out of it? Were you there at the beginning, Job? Tell me about all that you know. And God goes on and on for several chapters until we get to the 42nd chapter, and we'll look at that the next week. It's a very powerful text. And when you think, and when I think, that I know what's going on, and I know everything, I read this section from 38 on. And then I realize my place. And it's very humbling. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. All right. We've had Paul on the road to Damascus. He has turned his life around. He is now following Jesus instead of condemning and bringing up for charges those that follow Jesus. He is now a disciple. And he sent off in chapter 13, 44 to 52. And then we have this famous 46th verse. After they had spoken to the Jewish people, here's what he said. We had to speak the word of God to you first, the you of the Jewish people. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. This is a very famous change in world history. For this is what the Lord has commanded us, verse 47. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this in verse 48, They were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. Now, the sad truth is that the Jews rejected the word of the Lord. The vast majority of them did. It started out, obviously, with the Jewish people, the book of the Old Testament, the books of the Old Testament, I should say, all pointing to Israel. But the plan of God was always to go to the Gentiles, always to go to the Gentiles. So they start with the Jews first. But the Jews rejected the word of the Lord, so they turned to the Gentiles. Never was going to be the same again. And so, as we go through the book of Acts in chapter 14 and 15, we see a mixture of history where the author Luke is telling us what they were historically doing. And then, of course, they were preaching. They also tell us about healings. Much like in Jesus' ministry, there were healings. Read verse 15. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their due seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. So there was a gospel message. There was instruction that they were giving. There were prayers. There was praise. There were healings. There were apologetic 
words that were ethical words, how to live. And so we see at the end of chapter 14, from Atalia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work that they now completed. The grace of God was with them to do the work that he had given them to do. And so they praised and thanked the Lord for that work that he had given them. And chapter 15 is a very famous chapter because it's the Council of Jerusalem. And they were dealing with issues in the church where they needed a response from the leadership, the Christian leadership. And the question was, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you can't be saved. You see, that's what the Jewish people were saying. Okay, unless you're circumcised, you can't be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate among them. So Paul and Barnabas went up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about this question. And so this is a classic council, which we've had many of them in the church history, 2000 years of church history. And they were dealing with this very significant problem in the church. And after much discussion, Peter got up in verse 6 and addressed them. Okay. 11. We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. So they listened to Barnabas. Barnabas also spoke. Paul, can you imagine being in that group? Paul spoke. Barnabas spoke. Peter spoke. And then afterwards, James spoke. Verse 19, it is in my judgment that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. So they give them information as to what to do. And then they write them a letter. They write them a letter. Okay? They write them a letter. And that letter is going to dictate to them what they should do. Okay? Now they're coming to the church at Jerusalem. They are discussing the issues in the church. James speaks up in verse 13. Brothers, listen to me. Quotes a prophecy. And that's when he says it should not be difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. So some very, very high-powered people spoke. They sent the council to the Gentile believers. And then in chapter 15, 22 to 35... He says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. Verse 28, 29. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. So we have a problem in the church. The leadership prays, talks amongst themselves. They speak on the issue. Then they write a letter that's circulated to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Cilicia. This is verse 23. Okay? A beautiful description of how to handle a problem in the church, how to handle conflict in the church, how to handle different various theological positions in the church. Acts 14 and Acts 15. So, lots of things are happening. The Holy Spirit is moving in chapter 14 and 15. And God is doing great things in their midst. If we go back to Jesus in John chapter 10, 
John chapter 10, 19, he talks about him being the good shepherd as we saw last week. And now we are in John 19 to 30 on Monday, John 10, 19 to 30. My sheep listen to my voice, verse 27. I know them and they follow me. So there's this important, significant relationship that we have with Christ. We know him and we follow him. Now we are sheep. We need a shepherd. We need to be led by the shepherd. We need to be led as to what to do. We follow him because we know him. Now, we're not running off off by ourselves because sheep can't take on much by themselves. And so the sheep have to be together and they have to stay together and the shepherd has to protect them. And that is a very, very important part of our spiritual lives. And at the end of chapter 10, at the end of chapter 10, Jesus again speaks to the Jewish people, and they do not get along. The Jewish people, the Jewish leaders, do not listen to Jesus. They do not understand what he's saying. They love to be argumentative with him, and they are not willing to listen to him in order to receive So the Gospel of John in these sections in chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and even at the end of 11, which we'll see, the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders, they're not open. And in their lack of openness, we have this problem in Acts chapter 11, verse 46, where we've preached the word of God to you first, but now we're not going to preach it because you won't receive it. We're going to take it to the Gentiles. In chapter 11, we have the death of Lazarus. So on Thursday, on Wednesday, we go to verse 16. On Thursday, we go to verse 29. And on Friday, we go from 30 to 44. And this is where Lazarus rises from the dead. And then we have this extraordinary section where they want to kill him after he's raised somebody from the dead. It's crazy. So Lazarus is sick. He's a very good friend of Jesus's, along with Mary and their sister, Martha. He was sick, and they said, Jesus, I want to let you know he's sick. Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death. It is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and he stayed away two more days. Then he said, let's go to Judea. Well, he had stayed away long enough that Lazarus had literally died. And his sisters, Martha and Mary, were not very happy with Jesus because somehow they knew that if he had come earlier, Lazarus would have lived. And because he waited two more days, Lazarus died. I love verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. So we're going to physically die, but we're going to live eternally if we are in Christ. Very important verse. 
Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asked the question I ask you, the listener, and I ask all that can hear my voice. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Martha says in verse 27, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And then Mary speaks to her, to him, I'm sorry. Lord, if you'd have been here, verse 32, my brother would not have died. Jesus was deeply moved and troubled. Jesus wept, shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept, chapter 11, verse 35. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. And then some of them said, remember we looked at the uh, man born blind and Jesus healed him. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, as I said earlier, raises this from the dead. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the people, the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now, a lot of people believe he named him because if he would have said, come out, and a lot of people would have come out. Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. This man has a power to raise the dead. That is the ultimate power. Creator of the universe, King of kings and Lord of lords, judge of all the earth. In chapter 9, he heals the man born blind. In chapter 11, he raises Lazarus from the dead. We'll see what happens from here. You would think that everybody would be excited about that, but not everyone is. Enjoy these scriptures. They're very beautiful from John, from Acts, and from the book of Job, especially the 38th chapter. God bless you. May the Lord bless your reading and your study. May the Lord bless your understanding and your knowledge. May the Lord God give all of us wisdom as we learn the scriptures together. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time.